let's, let's push ahead. Do you believe this? Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Do you think you understand how Jesus walked? One of the great glories of this church is you listen well and you get it. It's not, I mean, they're just an openness or a hunger or a receptivity, and that is glory. Good soil. Okay. All right. So one last time tonight. Last night I told you we're going to turn the corner and quit talking about us being disciples of Jesus and talk about being the parents of the church that is making disciples of Jesus. And some of you here maybe for the first time, I don't remember seeing you before, Hang with us. It's going to be, you, you'll like it. It's not going to be, uh, it's going to be, I'm kind of going to start from scratch and give you the whole load. How's that? Good. It's called a review summary, sort of. Not really, but I just need to say that. Yeah. So, <laughs> kind of. But if we're going to walk as Jesus walked, then we make disciples. Okay? And, and, and I want to go quickly here, but remember... If you've been a Christian three years or longer, you have more exposure to Jesus, both quality and quantity, than Peter had after three years. Remember that? So, unfortunately, though, we have not majored on the training to recognize God's activity, recognize his voice. So Peter got to watch Jesus in the flesh. You've been seeing Jesus in the flesh, but you didn't know how to recognize it, so you couldn't celebrate and rejoice the way you needed to, and, and you've been hearing him, but you didn't recognize it, so you, couldn't, you, 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 you just didn't know how to realize God is not only with us, but he's acting, he's speaking, and I see it, so, but we're going to learn better. We're going to get better, okay? So tonight, we're going to continue to talk about the church as Disciple makers, talking to the parents, but the parents raise the kids to be like the parents who are disciple makers. And it is doable. This isn't mystical. This isn't, you don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to go to seminary. This is doable. And so we're going to work on that tonight if, if it's all right. So Wesley, I, I, you don't care who Wesley is, but I mean, you should, but that's all right. He said, I have found, Wesley is the reason that England didn't go through the French Revolution. How's that? Does that help you? Okay. And, and incidentally, we got some revolution occurring around here, too. Um, maybe. So maybe we could have a revival. See? Maybe. If my people. There's only one thing that Jesus did. What was that? Come on. Come on. Okay. That's all Jesus did. Remember? Now you're going to have to unpack that, but there it is. So Wesley said, I found by experience that one of these, talking about the people that were sat and listened to his sermons, one of these learned, far, learned more from one hour close discourse. By close discourse, Wesley meant, I ask you a question. I find out where you are. I find out what, what you know. I find out what you can articulate. I find out what you're going to do. I find out if you did it or not. And those are Hal's interpretations of thousands of chapters of Wesley. So now you got Wesley. So I found by experience that one of these learned more from one hour of honest, authentic dialogue with and about Jesus than from 10 years of public preaching. Now, Wesley did not exaggerate. He was a scientific, thoughtful, detailed, classic, English, no-nonsense guy. I'm not against preaching. What did I do? But I'm wanting to make a point again tonight that in the church... We've all been 
discipled to believe that mostly what we do is come to church, listen to sermons, and go home, sing songs, but we don't have, we, we, we go out and have ice cream at McDonald's and call it fellowship. Uh, that's, if you're talking about football, it's football fellowship. If you're talking about guitars, it's guitar fellowship. If you're talking about church, it's church fellowship. But fellowship for Christians is Christ fellowship, means we talk about Jesus, who he is, and what he did, and what he's saying, and what he's calling us to do, and what our faith is in him to do. Did you just hear five questions? <laughs> that quick, all right, see, and that's, that's it. So, so it's a big deal, and it might require some change, and so this whole message tonight is going to say, would you pray for your pastor that he won't go too fast, and he won't go too slow, but it'll be led rather than lead. This great, great calling to have a normal, mature, reproducing, biblical church. Would you pray for him? Okay, so let me get going here. So there we go. I would love to review that. I love review, but I don't get to. So as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. You got that memorized, all right? Teaching them to obey. What? Does anybody other than people already looked at the notes know what the answer to this is? Teaching them to obey. Oh, we do know it. Teaching them to obey. Everything. Last night we talked about obedience, but then teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. Well, that'll be easy. We'll get that done in two weeks. Pretty big deal. Everything. Now, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to go through everything Jesus commanded. We get out here about four o'clock. But, but let me just, you know, the first and great one, you all know, Thou shalt, and maybe that is a prophetic... Pro I'm sorry, I don't like using those words. Um, I mean, it's okay to use them, I mean. But a, a spirit-given proclamation, maybe, maybe Jesus was saying in the Great Commission, Deuteronomy, and then Jesus again bring to fulfillment. Maybe it's, you will, you will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but it is what we call the first and great commandment. Is that one of Jesus' commands? Okay, so there it is. So that'll be easy to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We'll get that done in four weeks. I know we'll have a Bible study on how to love God with all your heart, and that'll do it, right? Just for fun. You've all been so nice. Everybody blink right now. Everybody blink. Can you blink? Everybody blink. You're doing great. Okay. Guess what? That took strength. All your strength. Would you say that's most of your life? It means everything you do is motivated for Jesus. It's for him. It's agape. For him. Not for me. No more. What's in it for me? It's all for Jesus. <laughs> That'll be really easy, won't it? We've got some work. and I'm going to quit. I started there. Let me go to one more command. Just one more that Jesus said. It's, in fact, it's the only one that I can remember that he said, all authority in heaven has been given to me. It's the only one I can remember where he pulled the, the authority card. I mean, he did it in many ways, but, but this one, he announced it. All authority in heaven has been given to me. And then he made a suggestion or a promise or, no, what was it? Commandment. What was the command? Go and make disciples. Is that a hint? A request? A command. Okay, so if I'm 
baptizing XYZ lost person in Jesus' name, and if you weren't here last night, don't worry about that, and, and that person repents and enters the family, becomes a part of the kingdom, and then I have to keep baptizing them because what it takes to get them, it takes to keep them, all right? And, but then I have to start teaching, I have to teach them to obey, but I have to teach them to obey everything, so I'm discipling my one or two or three, my kids and a little group I work with or something. I'm bringing them along, raising them and being a spiritual parent, raising them. I got to teach them to obey everything, including make disciples. So every person in the church, in a healthy biblical church, every person in the church is to be, have someone put their arms around them, grace, bring them along, truth, bring them along, bring them along. Everyone is to be brought to the point to where they then are coached and trained and discipled to make disciples. Or else, the church leadership is disobeying Jesus. Did I just say that? Out loud? True or false? We talked about obedience last night. Now everybody rest. (laughs) We've been kind of messed up for 1,700 years. And we're not going to turn this ship around real quick. <laughs> we've got a lot of weight going the wrong direction. But, but, but we've got to face it. And we are. And we will. And that's why I beg you to pray for your pastor, leadership team. I don't know how you're organized. But, but those who ultimately are responsible under God to hear the Lord and say, this is the way we're called to walk. Let us walk in it, led by the Spirit, but authentically following, thus leading the congregation. Would you, can I get a show of hands? Would you pray for your pastor? This is a big, big deal. This isn't about, shall we build a new building? This isn't about, shall we have a a hot dog fry for the women on mother, you know, whatever. This This isn't about that. This is about the very essence and core of what the church is to be the very heart and foundation of reproduction and multiplication to a thousand generations that isn't happening. And I know, I know that if we would do it, I will say 10 years, you'd be shocked. I know, I know of movements that have changed the world in 40 years doing the very things we're talking about. So, I gotta get going here. Everybody happy? Okay, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna have a little fun. Well, it'll be fun for me. It may not be fun for you. <laughs> um, I just want to tell you a story. Is that okay? Yes. So here's the story. So I was a teacher and a coach, uh, and I was going to be married in a month. Debbie and I were engaged. It's July 4th. We're at this camp, and listening to a sermon on John 3.30, he should increase, I should decrease, and and I don't know exactly how it happened, but I heard, this is one of my three times, I heard God talk to me. You know, we say, regularly, I'm pretty sure the Lord, I, I'm, I think the Lord, but this one, I'm using one of my three. Jesus called me. He talked to me. He said, I want you to become a pastor. Scared the ever-living 
daylights out of me because I didn't want to be a pastor. Remember the church I grew up in? I told you about it last night. We had a new pastor every 18 months. The last thing in the world. I mean, my dad wasn't a Christian. The dad I told you about last night, and he was really resentful and hostile toward the church and the pastor who took my mom away from the family and blah, 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 blah. And he resented and talked about the church a lot. And, and he filled me with all kinds of stuff that no kid should ever hear from his dad, but he, did be, he didn't blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, but I didn't want to be a pastor. That was the point. <laughs> I didn't want to be a pastor, but I thought I heard the Lord say, I want you. Debbie and I went for a walk. I told her. We agreed we'd give it a year. I had already signed a contract to teach and coach another year. So we agreed we'd give it a year. Okay? So at the end of that year, we thought it was right. So at the start of that year... While I was teaching coaching, I started reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because before it was cool to say, what would Jesus do? And, you know, we went through that little season, which is a pretty good season. I don't know why we don't keep that one going. But anyhow, I, I, I was saying, Jesus, I'm willing to be a pastor, but upon one condition. I'm not going to try to propagate what I've seen and grown up in unless you tell me to. And I'd like to know if there's some things you want me to do that aren't being done because what's happening now doesn't seem to be... The, that doesn't seem the way it's supposed to be. So I started studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with the single motive of saying, Jesus, how would you pastor? And so as I was doing that, and I'm taking notes, as I was doing that, I learned some things about Jesus that I'd never heard. Now, I'm sure they were preached, but I was too busy dropping my marbles. You know what I mean? And, <clears throat> but I'd never heard them. Um, I mean, I, I, I never heard that Jesus was the greatest follower that ever lived. I'd, I'd never heard that Jesus was the perfect disciple. I, 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 I didn't hear about that. I didn't hear that Jesus spent most of his life praying. I, 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 I didn't get it. But I'm writing down. I'm learning about Jesus. But then I noticed something else that I was writing down, and that was that very early, he stayed up all night praying again. He stayed up all night praying, and the next day, he selected 12 guys to live with him. I mean, just to go with him and everywhere. And, and, and I noticed, I'm writing down what Jesus did. I am noticed that he's all the time with these guys. I mean, they won't go away. I mean, he's just always with them. And, and, and all of a sudden, I, I, and this was before, this is how long ago it was, we didn't talk about disciples, discipleship, making disciples. We didn't talk about that. We talked about salvation. We talked about sinners and hell and, and being saved. But we didn't talk about being disciples or making disciples. That's fairly recent for which we're thankful, we're gaining. So anyhow, it was new, and I, and I noticed all this, and, and then it dawned on me, that's a big part of what Jesus did. I mean, he preached, he taught, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, and that's good, and that's wonderful, but, but he's put a lot of time into those guys. They were a mess sometimes, but he just worked with them and worked with them. He didn't spend that much time with others. And I wrote down one day, if I'm going to pastor the way you did, I'm going to have to get some people around me like family, like you did. I wrote it down, and then I said, well, what did you do with him? And I hadn't been writing that down. Well, so I started a whole new study. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John going through everything. And every time Jesus had interaction, react, I mean, relationship with Peter, James, and John and the other guys, I wrote it down. Pretty soon I had a stack of eight and a half by 17 yellow legal pads about, well, it gets bigger every year, but I don't know how big. It was pretty big, okay? A big stack of them. And just, just note after note after note that I'd studied about what Jesus did with Peter, James, and John. Well, now by this time, we've been a youth pastor, I mean a, a 
been a teacher and a coach for one year, then we're a youth pastor two years, and now I'm in seminary three years. So I'm actually, it's about six years now. We're just about to graduate from seminary, and I got these stacks of notes, and I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm you know, but you can't do a stack of notes in church. I mean, so I, but I noticed there were, there were just a lot of times I was kind of repetitious. I was, there were practical things I wrote down, but I could see a principle behind. So I organized it into eight different principles. It took me time to do that, but I went through all my notes and eight different principles. I mean, I, I wrote down this one, and then pretty soon I had stacks of paper, and there were eight of them. That was exciting. I was getting organized, but you can't do principles. They're ideas. They're, they're truth. They're, you you got to do practice. You got to have specifics. So I noticed through my eight principles, that maybe to put that into practice, I'd I'd have to do that, but I could put that and that principle into practice. And I came up with three processes or three programmatic kind of structures or be like we've been doing every night is a practice. It's, It's practical. You can do it. So I came up with three big processes that if I would do those, then I know that I was doing the eight principles that I'd found that Jesus did over and over and over with his disciples. <laughs> I was pumped. I can't tell you. I went, I went nuts, running up and telling Debbie. I actually used my math major. I taught math. I, I used my math major, set up three equations with three unknowns to solve it, to get it to work, and it worked. The only time I ever used my math major, and I can't even add two plus five now, but never mind. So, so it, it was great, and I was pumped. I was about ready to go, time to go, so we're in seminary, about to graduate, and we get invited to, to a church in Florida and a church in California, not so far from here, a little ways from here, church in state of Washington and a church in New Jersey. How's that for covering the bases, see? So, uh, so I go to Debbie and I say, well, what do you think? We got this and this and this. What, what do you think? She said, oh, anything would be fine other than New Jersey. <laughs> Guess where we went? Anybody here from New Jersey? Oh, good. I can tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> but what is said here stays here, right? Okay, okay. Well, anyhow, so, so, so these, I agreed to fly back to meet with this board in New Jersey, and you know you, how you meet pastors to decide if you want them to become pastors. So I fly back there, and, and uh, we, we start the meeting. It's meeting with the board, and it was a scary board. Because on this board, there was a CPA, there was a lawyer, there was a doctor who was a teaching doctor at Philadelphia the School of Medicine. He taught doctors how to be doctors. And there was the head of the math ed department at Temple University. So I got all these genius PhDs and doctors, and I'm there, ha, <laughs> you know, here I am. And so they said, well, tell us about yourself, and tell us what you think, what you do, get, let us get acquainted. So I told them the story I just told you with much more detail, which they were so happy to hear. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm telling the story, and I'm going along, and I say, so, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about being your pastor, but if I'm your pastor, I need you to know that the first thing I have to do, I have to really work hard at being a disciple of Jesus, and then I got to make disciples of Jesus, and, and that's going to take a lot of time, and I, I'll do my best to do what pastors are supposed to do, but, but I, I got I to gotta first, because Jesus called me to, I, I got to make disciples, and, and honestly, guys, I, I mean, I, I got to disciple someone, and you're probably the guys I'd like to work. I'll need you to help me, and, and it's that, and that means there's maybe some things I can't do, and that means there'll be some things you're probably doing now that we won't be able to keep doing, and, and, and everything will probably change quite a bit, and 
you probably don't want me to come, do you? <laughs> I never thought through what the board might think. I was just following Jesus. Well, got real quiet. After a while, one of them said, not exactly, but pretty close. He said, uh, well, uh, what we're doing now ain't all that hot. Why don't we give it a try? <laughs> so with that kind of support, we made our way. <laughs> so we got there, and we're taking off, and we're having fun, you know, and I'm doing all the stuff pretty much that you're supposed to do as a pastor, but, but I, it wasn't long. But I mean, I wasn't there very long to, before I went to a young couple, and I, I went up to them, and I said, hey, can we talk? And they said, sure. And I said, would you be willing to let Debbie and me come to your house once a week for an hour, hour and a half? And the man said, Why? I said, well, well, let, let me explain. What, what we'll do is we'll work on our relationship with Jesus, just getting better and knowing him better and following him better. And, and I'll kind of coach it for a while and we'll process it. And after a while, as soon as you're getting it down and you're, you're spending time with the Lord better and learning to follow him all day long and you're, you're doing what he wants you to do better in, in, in your home and at the church, and on, when you're actually committed to those things, then, then, then we'll turn it and we'll have you lead me. And we'll practice together, and, and I'll pretend like I'm dumb, and, I mean, you know, and, and, and I'll, just, I'll just ask questions, but you'll, you'll coach me, and it'll be safer, and, you'll work. and as you're getting it better, when you're ready, we'll bring some people in, maybe your neighbors, maybe your kids, maybe some people from the church, and, and we'll plant a church right here in your house, and we'll call it a house church, and you'll be the pastor, but you'll really be making disciples, because I've helped you to be a disciple, and now you're going to learn how to, because you can be, you'll make disciples. What do you think? You know what he said? Sure. I said, did you hear me? And he said, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I had two already. It was Peter and Jamie, just like that. So then I went to another young couple. I said, hey, and I, was kind of, and I gave them the whole schmear again. You know what they said? Sure. You're kidding. I had Peter, Jamie, John, and Freddie. No, uh, anyhow. And so it, it was just... It, I, and, and I went to six more, seven more, eight more couples, and pretty soon I had 20. Wow. <laughs> Jesus only had 12. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, so Debbie and I made our way to people's homes all over central and south New Jersey. Um, all the time, we had to meet with them when they could meet. So one guy who worked in New York City, we ha he had six kids. We had to meet him at his house at 5 o'clock in the morning. We threw by 6 so he could drive to New York City. And on that Thursday, we met with them at 5 o'clock. So Debbie went with me and to all of them. She got up earlier than 4 o'clock back then. I mean, yeah, all the women are moaning and groaning. And, and, but she didn't quit because we had another one with the doctor at 9 o'clock p.m. on Thursday night. So we drug in about 11 o'clock on Thursday night. Whew, we were tired. And then we had to get up on Friday and meet George and, and his wife. Anyhow, so Jeannie, yeah, Janine. And so, uh, but, and she did it. And, and then, can't believe it, she had triplets. And she quit going with me. Now, we'll, that's, that's another story. We won't even go there. Okay. But anyhow, the real, my real fun point is amazing that this lady is still going with me. She still gets up early in the morning. She's still going with me. <laughs> and, and if you only knew what it's like. No, no, yeah. So... So anyhow, we're having fun, 
And there's all kinds of great things going on. We got 10 house churches planted all over the place. And, and, and it's going great. And it's exciting. And people are coming out of the woodwork. And, and I'm getting all kinds of calls. And, and, and I mean, let me, I'd love to tell you the stories about them. Let me just tell you about Harry real quickly. Harry, is a, he's a carpenter in Philadelphia, but he lives in South Jersey. And so we go to his house and started. And it was Harry and Mary was their name. That was Tuesday morning. And, and so we did it. And, and pretty soon Harry was leading. And pretty soon... We had his kids come to the meeting, and they were willing, and then pretty soon we started on Monday night, and, and they started inviting their neighbors. Pretty soon they had 40 people come to their house church, and Harry remodeled his house because it was a church, and he built in the backyard a volleyball place so the kids could play, but then they decided to have dinner, you know, feed them, and they will come, so he gave, I don't know how much of his check every week. They had all those people over for dinner. They just did it. Silly new Christians. And I, I, could, I could tell you the ramifications of that story. You, you just have no idea the, the trees that have grown off of that story. Well, anyway, I've got, I've got to get on. My point, we had, we had all these churches going. It was fun. And, and the big church, Sunday morning church, you know, the church that meets at 11 o'clock with the choir robes and the organ and all that, and preaching, that church, it was, it was growing. And everybody was excited. And it was fun. That's when they started asking me to write books. And everybody was pumped. And I was tired. Whew. I was dead tired because I was trying to be a good pastor, doing the stuff pastors are supposed to do, you know. Well, one Sunday morning, it's 10 to 11. I'm standing right here. Our sanctuary seat about the same as this, and I'm standing right here and just about ready to go up and preach, and all of a sudden, I hear this terrible noise. Now, I'm going to make a terrible noise, all right? So everybody get ready. Don't jump, please. Here we go. You ready? Pasta! I jumped. You know what pasta is, don't you? Pasta is not white stuff that you put red sauce on. That's pasta. Pasta is a guy in New Jersey who preaches. Let's all say it, pasta. That's a guy who preaches, see. Okay. Well, anyhow, so it's Bill, and, and he's just started coming to church with his wife, Kathy, and she's a little Baptist girl. He's a hippie. Now, you don't know what hippies are, but he's, a, he, he's got this long stringy, blonde, brown, you can smell him coming a mile away. He doesn't take baths. He, he puts stuff in his body. I mean, he's a mess. They just started coming. I said, well, Bill, what's up? He said, well, Kathy and I have been talking. I said, well, that's good. What you talking about? He said, well, you know, you know how you go to all those people's houses and you disciple them, you disciple them, or whatever you do with them? I said, oh, yeah. He said, well, we want you to come to our house and do that with us. And I thought, well, Jesus selected his disciples. <laughs> I didn't say it. I'd been to seminary. I'd learned. So I, would, I, I said, uh, the, the, okay, I got an idea, Bill. How about this? How about you invite, you got all kinds of friends with nothing about Jesus, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. How about you invite you invite some of your friends. If you get your friends to come to your house, then I'll come, and I'll lead it. I'll facilitate it, and we'll just see how it goes from there. And he said, well, why should I tell them they should come? What are we going to do? And I said, um, tell them we're going to talk about Jesus. And he said, oh. <laughs> I said, <laughs> Well, two weeks later, creature of habit, 
I'm standing here just before it's time to start the worship service. Guess what I hear? Pasta. Pasta. Bill, do you have to haul? Do, do you know they talk loud in New Jersey? Oh, <laughs> if you haven't been, they do. And so, uh, Bill, what, what is up? He said, they're coming. I said, who's coming? The people, what people? The people you told me to. And I, oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, when? Tuesday. Where? My house. Oh, well, okay. I'll be there. So I got there. Now, Kathy worked all the time as a nurse in Philadelphia. Bill didn't have a job. He just laid around and drank and smoked all day long. And, and he could have cleaned up the house, but he made it worse. I walked in. This is not a place to start a church. It looked, smelled. T- have, have you ever heard of a fixer-upper? Well, this didn't qualify. <laughs> It was, it was a mess. Well, anyhow, so I walk in, and here are these six kids, plus Bill and Kathy, and we introduced you to blah, 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 and so, okay. So, so I sit down. I say, well, good. Thanks for coming out. Bill told you what we're going to do, right? They said, no. He just invited us over. Ah. Well, I told him to tell you they were going to talk about Jesus. It got really quiet. I said, it's all right. Don't worry about it. It's, it's okay. I said, we'll just, just, we'll just talk about Jesus. In fact, you know something about Jesus. What, what do you know about Jesus? No, 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 don't worry about it. You don't have to give a good answer. Just, 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 I just love to know what you, you've heard about Jesus. What do you know about him? Well, I figured I'd help him. Well, no, I'm talking about, I mean, I know you know about him. It, you know, a Christmas card, you've seen Christmas cards, and there's this baby on the front. He's got this thing around his head, you know, and he's got sheep and goats and straw and stuff. And one of the girls said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard about him. Well, oh, good. What do you know? Nothing. Actually, my lifetime, Christian America, they knew nothing except Jesus' swear word. Well, I thought I'd help him. So, so I said, well, you know the baby that came at Christmas? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me tell you. Once upon a time, that baby was God, and he made everything that there is. And one of them looked at me and said, you believe that? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And no, he didn't make everything, but he sustained it all the time. And, and someone said, really? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, really. And, and he made us in his image to have relationship with him, but we thought we knew better, and we ignored him and messed up. And, and so he came as a baby to help restore everything, and I decided not to bring up the virgin birth. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but so I was telling about Jesus and, and how he lived and loved everybody and was good all the time, and, and before then, I was just about to get Jesus on the cross, and I, it was Catholic area, and I knew, surely. So I said, what, what is Good Friday? You, you know what Good Friday is, don't you? And one of the girls said, yeah, we get out of school half a day. I, I know, but, but why? They didn't know. Well, I explained it, and got Jesus on the cross, and resurrected, and ascended, and, and I should have quit, I know, but <laughs> you, you've noticed I talk a lot. <laughs> Anyhow, so, so I, I said, well... I try one more thing. I held up my Bible. Can I use this? And, and I said, I said, do you, do, you, do you know what this is? And they said, a book? I said, well, yeah, but have you ever seen it like this? Uh, nah. I said, well, it's a very unusual book. I said, this book is a miracle, too. 
I mean, this just like God raised his son from the dead and God created everything. He said, this book is a miracle because God spoke clearly enough to people that they could write down what God wanted us to know about him and about ourselves and where we came from, where we're going. And, and, and this book is from God for us to know him. One of the kids looked at his watch and... And, and, and I said, well, yeah, just a second, just a second. When I was a freshman in high school, my life was really going the wrong direction before. I mean, I, I, I was hanging out with the wrong kind of gang and things were real. And my sister gave me one of these for Christmas, and I started reading it, and I began to get to know this Jesus. I started reading a certain part that tells about Jesus, and, and I came to know about him, and he became a hero, and he saved my life. One of the kids said, Really? I said, oh, yeah. Another one said, can we get one of those? I said, oh, yeah, anywhere. You know what those silly pagans did? They went out and bought the book. (laughs) Then you know what they did? They read it. Imagine that. They read it. And and so, whoa, it's it's happening. Incidentally, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But you can't witness to what you haven't witnessed. But if your life is transformed and you've seen it, you've got a story. And that's after you baptize. Then you tell a story. Not about what they should do or great theology, but your experience. Once I was lost. So they went out and bought Bibles. They read. Do you know what they did the next week? They came back to a little fixer-upper. And they absolutely ruined my meeting. Because I know what Jesus did with his disciples, and they came, and they asked me questions about the Bible, and it just ruined my meeting. I answered the questions as well as I could. It went a long meeting that night, so they went home, and they kept reading their Bible, and they came back the next week, and they kept asking questions, kept messing up my meeting, but it was just going on, and, but, but then a few weeks later, it seemed like it was right, and a certain question was asked, and I said, well... Well, let, let me answer it this way. Once upon a time, before there was a beginning, God made the world. And then he made us for relationship with him. But we thought we were smart and we did our own thing. And so we walked away. But then God sent his son Jesus to become like us in every way and to understand. And then to live a life that we could learn how to have real life. And then he died so that God could throw open the doors of relationship with anyone who would. And I went through the whole thing again. And guess what happened that night? Six out of six kids repented. And I didn't make it easy. Because I've been studying about being a disciple of Jesus. And I knew that what it meant to be a Christian was to be a disciple. So I said, now what you need to understand, God gave all of himself to us on the cross in his son. He gave all of himself to us in the spirit if we receive the spirit. And so this isn't about some superficial little quick thing. You need to understand that if you become a follower of Jesus, everything needs to change. Basically, once you were your own king, you did your own thing, but you entered the kingdom of God. That means you change kings. That means you're committed that he's the king and you're not. Your faith is in him, not in you, so you don't rely on your understanding. You rely on him and you learn to follow him all day. You learn to spend time with him. That's what disciples do. You learn to follow him and you'll not be real good at this, but we'll work on it. We'll help you. And like Jesus, you learn to love people. You'd start with your family and you, and you love your neighbors. You love your enemies. And this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Are you sure you want to do this? I tried to talk them out of it. They wouldn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. So we had Six baby disciples. Woohoo! Now we can do the meeting. So the next week we come back and we start the meeting. And I say, okay, let's talk about Jesus. Guess what happens? 
They go nuts. They've been studying about Jesus. And they're talking about Jesus. They're excited about Jesus. I had to say, stop. That's enough talk about Jesus. We got other things to do. So then I taught them that if they'd learn to look for the good things around them, they'd see Jesus at work. They'd see how God works now. And they'd realize God's at work. So I said, have any of you seen anything good this week that God did in you or through you? Blah, blah, blah. They often, they're telling stories. Too much story. We're talking about that too much. We've got to read the Bible. So then we got our Bibles. Because I had trained them how to study the Bible and listen to God talk to them and them talk back. And then I taught them, okay, now we're going to, if we love Jesus, he sends us to minister, so let's talk about how we're going to work on our time with him. Let's talk about walk with him all day long, and, and, and then let's talk about what we're going to do with our family. So right away, we started working with the family, because that's a pretty rough area. And so remember, one, one girl was, was there. Her name was Ellen, and uh, they're all brand new. And, and, and so um, she's, you know, she's, I said, so what do you think Jesus wants to do through you for your husband this week? Because she had a husband, no kids. And, and she said, oh. Oh, and, um, we have big problems. And so she started telling us all about her husband. And this is what made the rule. You can't tell other people's sins. But uh, no, but what does God want to do through you? And she said, well, I don't know. I said, well, tell me a little bit what's going on. She said, well, we get in fights all the time. I said, oh, well, that's not good. Um, and what do you mean? And I thought she meant they argued. No, she, no I hit him. And I thought she meant she kind of, you know. And I said, well, what do you mean you hit him? She said, well, I just hit him. I, I said, where? She, in the mouth. Boom. And then what happens? Well, he hits me back. Then what happens? Well, the police come. These are my disciples. <laughs> it's, it's great fun raising children. So we got to thinking about it, and we figured Jesus would probably prefer that she quit hitting him, you know, if he's going to live his life through it. So we agreed that her ministry that week was not to hit her husband. How's that work? So, and we prayed for her. We prayed, oh, God, help her not to hit him. We prayed up a storm, and then we sent her out in ministry. So next week we come back. Who's Jesus? We talk about who Jesus is. Is this sounding familiar? Those been, we talk about who Jesus is. Then we talk about what Jesus got done through us. And so then we're talking about family. And so I'd go around the circle. We had a small group. And so we'd talk about what happened in our families that week that God got done through us. And I'd get to Ellen, and head's always down. Uh, how'd it go this week? You hit him again? Mm, okay. Oh, grace, grace. Call, call. Pick her up, you know. Disciple me. <laughs> pick him up. Pick him up. There, uh, pick him up. See, so, oh, but keep their eyes fixed. So we're working on it. And so we, we rethought it, but came up. We weren't very creative. We just, again, figured Jesus probably wanted her to get this bad habit out of her life of hitting her husband. So we'd pray for her again, send her out in the ministry this week. Well, it happened two or three or four weeks, and about the fourth or fifth week, Going around the circle, so let's talk about let's talk about what happened in our families this week. How, what what good happened? What did the Lord get done? And, and this week, she's she's looking at me, and her eyes are wide open, and she's smiling. I say, Ellen, what's going on? She said, Guess what? I said, What? She said, I only hit him twice. <laughs> See, because she's making progress. the The issue isn't where you're at. Hear me now. It's not where you're at. It's which way you're pointed. If, you're, if you've leveled off, you're going to miss Jesus by a million miles. We never arrive. Everybody say, we never arrive. See, we're following Jesus. See, he's way up. But, but we keep pointing, and guess what's happening? We've got to keep lifting, encouraging, and building, and reminding, and committing, and praying, and keep after it. So anyhow, we're having fun, <laughs> if you call that fun. Well, these crazy kids, all of them genuine, serious baby followers of Jesus, they knew no other Christians. They had no other Christians in their lives. 
they thought that Tuesday night in the stinky fixer-upper was church, because I told them it was. I said, this is what Christians do. This is church. And we, I, mean, I just talked to them. I told them that's what it was. And, and they loved each other because they'd seen how Jesus was changing their lives. And they loved Jesus for dying for them and helping them. But they knew they needed each other. And they were the only ones they knew that were going this direction. We had fellowship. And it was all around following Jesus. And we didn't talk about anything except Jesus. It was just Jesus. And, and, and they, they didn't have anybody else to talk. So they loved Tuesday night. They started coming straight from work, maybe a McDonald's stop, get to Bill and Kathy's. Not at 7, not at 6, 5.30, 5 o'clock. Do you know what they did? I can't believe these silly new... They started the meeting without me. <laughs> They got there and they just started talking about Jesus and talking to Jesus because they thought that's what Christians do. I told them and they did it. And, and then they'd start reporting to each other all the things God, God got done in their life. So, and then at 7 o'clock I'd show up and the meeting's just out of control. So I'd bring it back under the authority of the pastor. And it's about time to open the Bible and I've had the Bible study, blah, blah, blah. We'd, I'd stay till about 9 o'clock. Not them. They'd, they'd heard each other confess what they believed the Holy Spirit was calling them to do this week, and they knew it was over their heads. But they knew that that's what they were called to, so they started praying for each other and praying for each other. Bearing. And, and they, didn't, they didn't pray about stuff that's temporal. They were praying that God would enable them to forgive and God would give them the power to love their enemies. They prayed the stuff that the commandments of Scripture. And because they loved each other. They didn't have one thing in common except a miserable background. Well, I guess they were from Philadelphia. But, and Jesus. That's what brought them together. It wasn't the fixer-upper, that's for sure. So there they are. And, and we talked to them about, now we need, to, we need to love people who are in the same condition you were in six months ago, who were just as lost as can be. We need to love them, love our neighbors, love our friends, and pray for them and bless them. And we talk about ways to do that and pray and send them out into ministry. And, and so they were doing it. And, and they changed so much that their friends were blown away. And, and, and so their, their friends would say to them, what happened? Incidentally, those of you here last night, do you know what they were doing? They were baptizing their friends in Jesus' name. Got it? See, didn't use that language, but that's what they were doing. They got the, the idea. It's not rocket science. Love your neighbor. That's what we were doing. Be good, be kind. So, so they were doing that, and, and their friends would say, what has happened to you? And you know what they said? Come and see. So, so I had, I got this phone call on Tuesday morning. Hey, pastor. Yeah, yeah. Could, could I bring some of my friends tonight to the meeting? Well, sure, that'd be fine. That'd be good. Okay, good. So I'd show up to the meeting. And, hey, this is my friend. I called you. And he brought me. Okay, I meet him. Hello, how you doing? Nice to see you. They go sit down. And they say, hey, pastor, can you tell him how to become a disciple tonight? I said, no, we're here to have a, make disciples, not to talk about it. And, oh, well. So, got a guest. So, in the beginning, God, and then man, you know how it goes, and, and then, and, and, and I'd get, and it wasn't long till there were 10 baby disciples, then 15, 
then 20, got up to 32 with 40 in attendance, 32 who had repented, established Jesus as Lord, and then learning how to live it out. It was fun. <laughs> it was crazy. You can imagine. It was fun. Well, one of, the, one of the new ones was a girl named Barb. She was a nurse in Philadelphia who worked with Kathy, and so Kathy invited Barb to come. Barb knew nothing about Jesus. Barb, I won't even tell your story. She was a mess. She received Jesus as Lord. That's how we receive him. And, and then so we start talking, okay, what, what is Jesus calling you to do as a minister? You see, every Christian is called into full-time ministry. I don't know if we all understand, but they all, every Christian is called into full-time ministry. And we'll, remember, we don't go to work to make disciples. I mean, to make money, we go to work to make disciples. We're always serving ministry. So anyhow, so, so we're helping Barb understand this, and we started with her family. And, and she started telling us about, well, my husband, Danny, and she's telling us about him, and this guy's terrible. I mean, I've never heard stories. He, he grew up on the streets of Philadelphia. His parents were drug dealers. He was a drug dealer, and you, you know, I mean, illegal drugs, you all understand. And so, so he, he, he was an absolute mess, and she would tell us about things so bad, and we just had to say, Barb, you cannot talk about your husband that way. Let's just talk, what does Jesus want to do through you for your husband? What, how does he want you to care for your husband, to minister to him, to serve him? What a ways. She said, him? I'll never serve him. Well, yeah, that's what Jesus, he was a servant. He told us to serve. She says, the Bible say that? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? What else does the Bible say? We said, well, be kind. To him? He doesn't deserve it. Well, that's not the point. The Bible really say that? Mm-hmm. What else? Well, forgive. I'll never forgive him. He, if you only know. No, it's not about what he did. Is that all? And if I had any sense, I can't believe I said. Can, do you know what I said? Submit. I'm so stupid. And then I said, okay, tell you what. We're going to take just one, one thing at a time. How about let's start with being kind. Do you think you could, do you think you could just... In. Jesus is saving you. Can, can you let his life show through you by being kind to him? Okay. I didn't tell you where she started when I said, how, are you, how can you serve your husband? She said, well, I know what Jesus wants me to do. I forgot. This is worth telling you. She said, <laughs> she said I know what Jesus wants me to do. I said, what's that? She, he wants me to go home and tell him that he's a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner, and he's going to hell if he doesn't turn around. And so we figured it'd probably be better for her to, to show him a little bit what's different about her than tell him how bad he is. And, and, and so that's when we started talking about, I mean, she said, well, what does that look like? I said, well, kind. And so she committed, and we prayed for her. This week, she'd be kind to him. Well, what does that look like? Well, I don't know. Well, if, will you know next week if you're kind or not? Oh, if you're making progress. Yeah, we'll know. Okay. Because see, making disciples is just a little step of progress. It's not, whoo. We make it sound like you're a super mess, and all of a sudden you become a super saint. There's about three like that, but most of us, it's pretty incremental growth. And so, so she was going to be kind. So next week we come back, you know, talk about who Jesus is. Barb, how'd it go with Danny this week? And she'd tell a beautiful story of how she was changing and being kind to him. So that next week we talked about forgiving. And then the next week we talked, and she, week by week, she checked him off. Teaching her to obey everything Jesus commanded when you're doing relationship with God and relationship with your family, relationship with church and relationship with lots of people, pretty much you'll cover most of the commandments. And as the Holy Spirit guides, he'll direct which ones are, it's, now's the time. So 
it's going, it's going great. She's making progress. And, and I decided that probably I better, if I was going to be a good little pastor, pasta, I better, I better have a baptism service because we had 32 new converts. Okay? So we didn't have a baptistry in our building. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe I'll just ask someone if we can use their swimming pool because people had swimming pools in the church. So I asked one guy, could you use, use your swimming pool? He said, uh, Sure. So I was going to do it on Tuesday night, because that's when we met, but then I thought, you know, we had church on Sunday nights back then. I know, it was a long time ago. We had church on Sunday nights, and, and uh, um, I thought maybe if, because I've been telling big church on Sundays, I've been telling the stories about all the house churches, but especially the one I was leading, because I was there all the time, so those are the stories I knew the best, and I'd tell them, they were excited, they were pumped, and so I, I, I was thinking, I'll, maybe I'll invite big church to come to little church. And the best way to get that to happen is cancel Sunday night. Just say, instead of having church on Sunday night, we'll have church, but we'll do it over at Jim's uh, swimming pool. Well, I thought that'd be a good idea because I thought maybe, see, little church doesn't even know we have big church. They don't know what the buildings are. They don't know what goes on. They've never heard of an organ, choir robes, preachers. They thought what we were doing was church because I told them it was. And, and, you know, silly new Christians, they... Just believe what you tell them. And so, so, but I thought maybe if we had big church come to their baptism, they might get acquainted. Little church might find out we meet on Sunday mornings. I know they love going to church. They just think you only meet on Tuesday nights. And so they might come. And I got excited. I thought this might be a good thing. And so I was really kind of planning to do it. Then I had this terrible thought. I thought, what happens if big church comes to little church baptism? They get acquainted. And they find out the big church meets on Sunday mornings, and little church comes an hour or two hours early, and no one's there. And, and when they do get there, they're usually late, and they don't talk about who Jesus is. They talk about the Phillies and the Eagles and the trucks, and, and, and they don't tell about what God got done through them that week because they didn't make any commitments. They're not accountable for anything. And, and, and they don't take time to listen to what Jesus wants them to do as full-time ministers all week long, wherever they are. What happens if little church gets acquainted with the big church and comes and finds out everything I've been telling them about church isn't right? I wasn't very smart. I decided to go for it. So I did. Invited big church to come, and they came. You can't believe we had in the backyard in a, 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 a nice place, and, and it was packed. It was packed. No parking. They were parked all over. Big church came. Little church came with their friends and family, and we're just about ready to start, and all of a sudden, I hear this terrible noise. Do you know what it was? Boston! I looked up. It's Barb. Remember Barb? Barb, how are you? Good. What's up? She said, Danny came. I thought, uh-oh. I mean, I knew about Danny, you know, nine feet tall, horns, fangs, red face, tail. I mean, I knew all about Danny. And, and, and I, oh, and she, she kind of stepped back, and this good-looking big guy, but he stepped up, and he said, Pastor, how nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you, Danny. Glad you could come. So we started the service, the baptism service, and I made one fatal error. I told him, tell a little bit about your past life, and then tell him how you started this covenant relationship with Jesus last forever and ever, and how he's changing your life. I didn't give him a time limit. <laughs> First one went 20 minutes. Next one, 25. No one could be outdone. 
This was probably the longest baptism service in history. I get out, I am like a prune. You, I have to wrinkle, I mean, iron out the wrinkles. It's, it's. So, there I am, trying to get presentable, and I hear a noise. Pastor! It's Danny. Did I tell you they talk loud in New Jersey? <laughs> he said, I want to be baptized. I thought to myself, well, you haven't been through my baptism class. <laughs> what, I, what I did think, I did think was, well, Danny, you need to understand that if you become a Christian, everything changes. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. It used to be you. Now it's Jesus and you. And he's the leader. You're the follower. And it's, he, he, everything changes. Your whole life changes. He says, I know. I said, how do you know? He said, I've been watching Barb. I said, oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, I figured I better give him a little theology, you know. So I said, well, Danny, you need to understand that in the beginning, God, and he made it, then man, and, and, and then Jesus came because of our sin and lived a life, and I just about had Jesus on the cross, and he dared to interrupt me. I'm preaching a great sermon, you know. And, and he said, I know all that. I said, how do you know it? He said, I just heard 32 people tell those four steps. They did, didn't they? I, I baptized him. You know, what do you do? I forgot to tell you at the start. This is one of my best stories. I got lots of bad ones. Would you like to hear them? Yeah, I got lots of bad ones. They're, they're, making disciples is it's like raising kids. It is raising kids. So... And incidentally, I forgot to tell you, this story is not about church growth. We don't seek to make disciples in order to have our church grow. If so, we'll cut corners, we'll cheat, and that is not enough motivation. There's one reason to make disciples. What is it? Obedience. Jesus. Do you think Jesus was pretty sharp? Do you think he probably knew what he was doing? Did you notice what he did? And then what did he tell us to do? What he did. So, anyhow, here we are. Danny shows up Tuesday night at the house church with Barb. You know where he sat? There was this much space left in that place, and it was right there. And that's where Danny sat for many weeks. And I won't bore you with the pain, because his will... Remember, set your will. His will was set to trust Jesus. But his flesh, his friends, his history, he was carrying a load. He, he'd, Tuesday night, yes, I believe. But then, but he kept coming back. We'd pick him up, lift his head, point him to Jesus' grace. You know, remember? Remember? And, and but truth, don't lower the standard, but here's what we're called to. Okay. Well, Danny didn't, wouldn't quit. And it wasn't, I don't know, maybe two or three months. One night I said to him, Danny, could I talk to you after the meeting? Sure. So we went outside after the meeting, and, and I said, Danny, um, do, you, do you know what I'm doing here in, in the house church? Do you realize what I'm doing? He says, yeah, you're helping us be disciples of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. 
I said, well, I need, let me explain something to you. I haven't talked to the group about it yet, but let me explain this to you. When Jesus was here, just before he left, he told his disciples, he said, now you're to go, and what I've done for you, you're to do for others. You're to make disciples, baptizing them in my name, and, and then you're to teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And I said, Danny, do you realize that one of Jesus' commands was to make disciples? He said, well, of course, that's, that's obvious. They're silly new Christians, they just... And I said, well, that means I am to make disciples, but in my making disciples, I, I am... I must make disciple makers because I've got to help disciples to make disciples or else I'm being disobedient to Jesus. He said, okay. I said, well, the reason I'm talking to you is I've been watching your life and I've, you, you, you know, you've got a lot of challenges, you know that, but you're so committed. You get it and you're committed and you're honest, you're, you're, you're working at it, you're trusting God, you're, you're giving you, and you're rep- accountable and you're just, you're just doing fabulous. And, and, and I'd like to know, would you be willing let me help you become not just a disciple, but as a disciple, to become a disciple maker. You know what he said? Sure. What do we do? <laughs> so he knew Christians. See, I didn't tell you. He was working full time. He had a job. And he was putting himself through Drexel University to get a, a, an, a, an advanced engineering degree. And he had a family bar. And so he was busy. He was coming on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday nights. And so, but he just, sure, what do we do? And I said, well, how about this? How about you, you've been praying for and caring for some of your friends. Why don't you, instead of dragging them all the way over here to Bill and Kathy's house in New Jersey, why don't we start a church in your house on Thursday nights like we got in Bill and Kathy's on Tuesday night. You get your friends to come, and, and then I'll, I'll facilitate it. I'll lead it. But instead of you going there to, to learn how to be a disciple of Jesus, you go there and you watch what I do so you can learn how to make disciples by watching what I do to make disciples. Does that make sense? He says, well, sure, I can do that. Okay, okay, good. All right, good. And then I talked to him about a bunch of other things. And I've changed what, I, what I've done a little bit over the decades, but, but I don't need to go into that. But, but I, I, so we started. He brought his friends. I went over. We started a church there. It wasn't long till he was facilitating, and I'm there taking notes and Pretty soon, something would come up, and he'd look at me, and I'd go, and he'd jump out of the boat, walk on water, and, and, and after the meeting, we'd talk about it and make some suggestions and ask some questions and coach him, and I gave him curriculum to study. That's a whole other thing, and, and I tested him every week on the curriculum he had to study. I made him oral examination every week. Remember that last night? Test? See? So, so anyhow, it, it's, he's just doing fabulously, and about that time, we get a call to leave the New Jersey church and go clear to North Idaho. I just said no. Well, they called back, and uh, there's a whole big story here. But finally, for reasons that were related to making disciples to change the world, Debbie and I felt led to mo- leave New Jersey and go to North Idaho. And it, it killed us. We had, we had all these. We had, we had church. We had church. When we, got, when we went out to eat together with our disciple makers, we, we didn't talk about football. We talked about Jesus. We, and I'm not putting anything down. I'm just saying it, it, our lives were Christ. And we, we were just, it was just fun. It was, it was just, we we're having fun following Jesus. And, and it just killed us to leave. But it was kind of like, just, there's a time. You guys are okay. And so we left. Two years later, I'm sitting in my office in North Idaho. Secretary buzzes me and says, there's a pastor from Illinois that wants to talk to you. Pick up from hello, we talk 
find out he pastors a church about 350 people, pretty large church in our tribe that, back then. And, and he's got an MDiv degree, Master of Divinity degree from seminary, three years beyond college. And so, you know, pretty, pretty strong leader. And, and, and church is doing well and all that stuff. And so after a while, he said, well, the reason I called you is we, we've got a new couple coming in our church named Danny and Barb. I said, Danny and Barb Tiska? He said, yeah. I said, oh, you'll love them. I said, they'll, they'll be a great help. What brought them? He said, oh, he got a job as an engineer. I said, yes, that's good. All right, he didn't know the backstory yet probably. And so, so um, I, I said, well, oh, they'll help you. You'll love them to death. And he said, oh, oh, I do. He said, in fact, they've already changed the church. I said, what do you mean they've changed the church? He said, well, do you know, they get there about two hours early. And, and things are never, and they set everything up. They bring coffee and donuts, and we're not allowed to eat in the church. And they just meet people at the door, and they hug them, and they tell them their story, and they hand them coffee and donuts. And everybody, they talk about Jesus. Now our people are talking about Jesus. They're, they're happy. It's changed the whole environment of the church. Just, I said, oh, that's great. That's so, and I was really relieved because I, I had left my little children pretty young. And, and he said, well, well I, I need to talk to you. I need to ask you a question. I said, what's that? He said, well... Sunday after church, Danny came up to me, and he said, hey, pastor, do we, do we have a disciple-making ministry around here? And the pastor said, well, uh, yeah, uh, I preach, and we have Sunday school classes, and uh, uh, we, uh, let's see, we, we have potlucks, and we play volleyball. Danny said, no, 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 I don't mean that. And the pastor said, what do you mean? Then he said, well, pastor, you do know, don't you, that when Jesus left his disciples, he said to them, now, as you go, you're to make disciples, teach them and obey everything I've commanded you, and everything commands us includes making disciples, and if we don't have a process where everybody here is being coached and trained and developed until they're making disciples and then making disciples of their disciples, then, then and having their disciples become disciple makers, we're disobeying Jesus. The pastor said, well, I didn't exactly think of it that way before. The pastor said, well what do you think we should do? Danny said, I'll start it. <laughs> Pastor said, well, what would you do? He said, well, well I disciple you. <laughs> I got very embarrassed <laughs> and nervous. And I'm blah, blah, blah. I didn't do a good job with him. He doesn't know anything about seminary. Advisory boards, the church boards. He, he didn't know anything. I, I did a lousy job with him, and I got interrupted with sobs. Pastor says, I've never had anybody disciple me. Do you think it'd be okay if Danny discipled me? And I just took an hour to tell you a story to make one point. Now, I made quite a few along the way, if you were listening. But to make one point, and here it is. If Danny, the drug dealer, <laughs> nothing about Jesus, except that his wife started going to this silly, dumb thing and was transformed and started loving him, so he was willing to come to her baptism to see what it was all about. And there he saw 31 other weird ones. <laughs> and he heard their story. So he repented and joined up changing kings. And then he went to this stinky little mess for just a few months. And then he got ripped out of that to start his own with under little coaching and help. If Danny, the drug dealer, can become Danny, the disciple maker... 
with that much coaching? I want to be careful. And there's things I want to remind us of. I'm going to just do something I don't usually do. Honey, right now, why don't you tell us what, about your phone call to Barb? So about three years ago, our management, I found Barb's name. And I was in New York, and we were just talking over it. And one of the employees was Christine Warren. And so with the information that they gave me on LinkedIn, I called Barb, and we talked for three hours. And then Danny sent to have an email. And it said, Dear Captain Harold, just wanted to know, I've been AWOL in reporting, but not AWOL in making disciples. Every single week in my home, I have a house church. And I teach them, and we I equip them with the very things, and we went through the very things, the principles that we talked about earlier. Thirty-five years later, they're making disciples. Yeah, thank you. And they got shifted from city to city to city, and always looked for a church, and they could never find a church that was primarily about relationships with God and people. They only found churches that were primarily about programs, hoping that relationships would happen. I want to say one more thing. Okay. And that's that um, tomorrow and this next week, we're going to go back to this very area. Would you pray with us that we find Danny and Barb? We're speaking at the Primitive Methodist General Assembly. Have you ever heard of a Primitive Methodist? <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> no, no, they're not primitive methods. Okay. So here's where we are. We started Sunday morning with my praying, asking you to pray that at this time tonight, there be a core of people who can make a holy resolve to walk as Jesus walked, which we all know is way up there. But there's a resolve. And with resolve will come tiny, incremental steps of progress as long as we keep Jesus as our vision. Did you hear the songs we sang tonight? Thank you, Chad. But they won't make it without coaching. Preaching isn't enough. It's necessary, but not sufficient. And so what I want to ask tonight as we close is this. Have you yet made a holy resolve? To walk as Jesus walked, which means you're going to get better at spending time alone with him. That's what disciples do. They spend time hanging out with Jesus. And then they don't leave Jesus in the prayer closet. Have you made a holy resolve that even though it's so far beyond you, you're not going to be satisfied with anything less than being led by Jesus as Jesus did nothing apart from the Father, said nothing apart from the Father, didn't even make judgments apart from the Father. Can we make a holy resolve not to perform, but to make progress without losing the call to walk as Jesus walked? And can I say, if you learn, make progress in this, then you make progress, forgive me if you're new here tonight, you're making progress in following Jesus all day long so that when you're with people, you listen, but before you talk and react, you test with Jesus so that you're saying his words and doing his works. If you're learning to live the life of a disciple, that's the very equipping and training you need to say to someone else, follow me as I follow Christ. It took Peter three years. Doesn't have to take, didn't take Danny one year. 
okay? I'm not trying to put a timeline on it anyway. Danny didn't have to unlearn any Christianity. He just had to unlearn a boatload of garbage. And he was far from perfect when he started making disciples, but he was following Jesus. He was aiming. If you tonight can determine or redetermine, Jesus, you've called me. You've made it possible. You've come to dwell in me by your spirit. You've given me everything I need for life and godliness. Christ was godly, right? You've given me everything I need. If you can make the holy resolve, it's there. Then that means you'll get help. You'll do whatever. If you're resolved, you'll do whatever it takes to get help to make progress. And then after a while, when you're making progress, those who are coaching and discipling you, they'll see your good progress like Danny. And they'll say, now, you, you've got the basics of being a disciple of Jesus. You've got to live 20 or 30 years of working it out, but, you, but you're gaining on it. Now, I'll help you with some skills to help others because you've got the life, you've got the ideas. Now, I'll help you to help others. And so you could even make a holy resolve to not only be a disciple, but to make disciples, knowing that it'll be a time, for some it might be five years, for others it might be three months, depending upon where you're at. The issue really isn't anything less, I mean, anything about what we're doing. It's just, are we determined? Jesus is our vision, and our mission is to be one with him. So what he thinks, we think. He wants, we want. Where he goes, we go. Because we're the body and he's the head. He's the groom, we're the bride. Make sense? He's God, we're not. We were God, we abdicated that. We put our faith in him. Amen? Could you bow your heads? As clearly as you can, Identify what it is the Lord is saying to you. And picture Jesus and have him say it to you. It'd be, it'd be, Joe, this is Jesus. Here's what I'm saying to you through all this. Try to articulate what Jesus is saying to you. What is your response? What, what do you say back in response to what Jesus said to you? Amen. When we first started doing this, I had cards printed up that had this overview and kind of the things we talked about and I said to people, if you've made a covenant with Jesus, would you come up and shake my hand and I'd give him the card and, almost, and we would, you know, we'd do that for 45 minutes and hugs and that was good. I've quit doing it um, for a bunch of reasons. I'm gone. The real key is your pastor and a few people maybe who are already deeply involved in this. I, I would ask one thing, not only... Did you tell the Lord? But would you think about 
making known to your pastor what you're saying to Jesus, where you're at. That'll be a great help to him as he prays. I'm begging him to go slow. Build a solid foundation. Build as fast as you can build well. But don't in your hurry build a bad foundation. Because how you start will shape what you get. Remember your promise to pray for your pastor? Do you realize the pressure I put under on him? Do you get it? Does anybody know the pressure I put on him? I don't want it to be my pressure. I beg him not to hear anything from me, but only from Jesus. Do we agree? Will you pray that he'll hear clearly? Thank you so much. Absolute delight to be with you.